Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The season has started, but things aren't really going that well. The CBJ dropped their first two games to Toronto and Pittsburgh, and some of us are wondering if it's too early to panic. We'll talk about the Blue Jackets' opening weekend as well as the Cleveland Monsters' opening weekend, and wrap up our division previews with the Metro. I am Ryan Real, and joining us for this episode, we've got Will Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, how's it going? Good, and we've got Elaine Shercliffe. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Ryan. Quick programming note, we are recording this podcast episode before Monday night's game against Buffalo. So some things could change pending the outcome of that game, but even if the Jackets won 10-0, I still think we would have some reservations depending on how the opening weekend went. So Blue Jackets open with Toronto on Friday. They lose. They play Pittsburgh on the road on Saturday and lose pretty good, 7-2. How are we feeling on this Monday night before Buffalo? I'll say, I guess, optimistic. I mean, I know it's kind of crazy to say, I guess, after the the last two games, but it's two games. They played Toronto and Pittsburgh, who are not easy no matter who, you're, who you've got out there. We knew coming into the season that there would be growing pains and struggles, so we saw some of that play out already. Again, it's two games out of 82. I think that you're going to see things start to settle in at some point, hopefully sooner than later, hopefully tonight. Hopefully, uh, Corpusalo is ready to go. I think he will be, but you know, hopefully he's ready to roll. And as far as Elvis, he had a tough first night against Pittsburgh, and I'm sure we're going to see a few more of those clunkers just because he's a he's a young guy who's facing NHL players and teams for the first time. Uh, you know, he's going to take time to adjust, so we just have to remember that. But ultimately, I feel like this team is better than they showed over the weekend, and especially Saturday and. It's time for them to just go out there and keep refining their issue, you know, refining things. And ultimately, it should start to come together, I would think. Yeah, as long as we score a few times tonight, I, I think they'll be fine. I don't think Buffalo's going to score seven more goals again like they did their last game. But weirder things have happened. I, I think that the Jackets, uh, after losing so badly to the Penguins, and having the first goal come because of Jack Johnson, even though hmm. they took it away from him. But it, 
I think they're going to be a little bit more, I don't want to say like fired up because I think they were fired up for the game on Saturday against the Penguins, but I think they, they don't want to get per se embarrassed again. I, I think they, they know that they're good and I think they need to maybe relax a bit because maybe that chip on their shoulder um, is maybe weighing them down a little bit, but I, I don't know. It's only two games in and, by the time people hear this, it's three games. So even if we lose tonight, I'm not even like worried because there's still a whole lot of hockey left to play. Literally anything can happen. Pale Dragon wrote a really nice cannon blast on Sunday. Check it out if you haven't at jacketscannon.com. But he goes through the reasons why you could panic and why you shouldn't panic. And it covers a lot of things that we would talk about here. After Friday night's game, I was like, you know what? Toronto's really good. It's the first game of the season. They got some stuff to figure out. Okay. And I felt a lot worse after watching that beat down on Saturday. I agree with you. It's two. And then when you listen to the three games, it's it's so early in the season. And just St. Louis, they were last place in January and they turned around. So things can happen. You're not out of it, even if you're out of it by Thanksgiving. But the thing was supposed to be the defense. The defense was supposed to be the best part about this team. We were worried about where the offense would come from, and we were worried about the goaltending. And all of those things have reared their ugly heads through the first two games. So I'm not the negative one. I try not to be the negative one. But it was not fun to watch the Blue Jackets for very long over the weekend. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also not the kind of person to get upset about line combos and who should start, who should sit. I mean, that stuff matters to me, but I'm not going to go apoplectic about it. But I totally get... The, the Nudavara, Harrington, Milano stuff, and, and the, the lines already going into, into a blender. I don't know what that says so far, but that's certainly something that hasn't worked, at least for the first two games, maybe long term, but it, it, didn't, it didn't pay off either one of those moves. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a couple of ways you can go about it. You can say Tortorella is just trying to get some kind of chemistry going early and right away. And on the other hand... You know, you, you got to find something that works and stick with it. Or, I mean, even just if, even if it's giving it time to work. But, you know, like Gustav Nyquist is on the first line tonight. So maybe he can get something going with uh, Atkinson and Dubois. And, of course, that means, you know, Josh Anderson's going to miss at least a game. Uh, he's day-to-day. But, yeah, I'm not really worried about the lineups yet either. I guess I just want to see, you know, Gavrikov will get a chance with Nudavara tonight. Uh on the defensive side. So hopefully they can just put together a good game, turn the page after Saturday, throw it away and just give Buffalo. Cause Buffalo is coming in feeling pretty good after their first two wins and scoring seven against the devil. So Columbus just needs to go in there, play their game and just do what they can. The defense has concerned me for like a year now. So I, I, um, I have very low standards on the defense right now. So if they, don't turn over a puck tonight, I'll consider tonight a win. Penalties, too. Oh. The penalties have to come down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sure would be nice if either one of those special teams units could figure it out. <laughs> so, we'll see what happens tonight. By the time you listen to this, you will have already known what happened because I'm not that fast at editing <laughs> to get this out uh, before the episode. But, like I said, I think either way tonight goes, it's still super early and it, i mean it's fun to see the kids out there again like we, we're getting to see texier and bimstrom and that's fun and it's it's just kind of it's a bummer how quickly any optimism was forced to be 
reckoned with very quickly in this season. Also, uh, I do want to shout out Seeds has complained about this loudly, the whole loyalty angle that they used in the first, you know, I, I mean, even during the weekend, the Jackets beat writers were, were sharing the stories about, you know, guys, they want to be here and this is their new slogan and, and loyalty and all that. And it's, it kind of rings hollow. Like I get it. I get it. And I, and obviously the people, the, the players that I love the most are, you know, Jones and Dubinsky and guys who've been here for a long time and clearly love the area and want to be here. But coming from the actual team where, like Seed said, Johansson got traded and, and Latestu, they didn't offer and stuff like that. Like, come on, you know, like, and I think, I think we're also, it, it's this season now, like that's over. Let, like, let's go. That's how I'm seeing it. I just yeah. Like, it, I think that's affecting their game more than they want to admit it. Like, I think they all need to have a come-to-Jesus moment and let go and let God and move on. Just move the freak on. <laughs> uh, so I, I bought into the whole rallying cry as far as, like, inside the locker room. Uh, it's something like, hey, there no one believes in us, blah, blah, blah. You know, like 2016-17, no one saw them winning 16 in a row, 50 games, all that. So... I kind of buy into the underappreciated under role, uh, underdog type of a role, but I'm past the whole rah-rah, like we're not in high school or college, like this is the NHL. Players have every right to leave and be a free agent. You know, everybody plays to be, to get to that point where they can go and do what they want to do. So, um, and, I mean, they know that, but yeah, it's like, okay, let's just worry about who they have now. Uh, they have young guys, a lot of big time uh, potential prospects. We know about Merce Lickens as far as what he was considered coming in. So it's time to just forget about last year and all those guys and just go forward with who they have and try to get the best out of them. Hopefully they're able to take those guys to spots, basically. This week, Jackets play Buffalo Monday night. They play another Friday, Saturday at home against Anaheim on Friday night and at Carolina on Saturday. That Carolina game will not be easy. And we will talk about the Metro in just a minute. But Elaine, a team that is winning some games over the weekend. Yeah. Cleveland Monsters <laughs> sweeping Laval Rocket. Oh, man. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I was expecting to take at least one. But, you know, two seasons ago, we couldn't even put two wins together in a row, like next to each other. <laughs> it was so hard to do that. And last season, you know, they got better. They made it to the playoffs. And the feel of the team from media day to watching them was just completely different than anything that I've seen, even in the history of the Monsters. Even that Calder Cup run, they had their, you know, hills and valleys their first few games the energy wasn't like the energy was this season it mm -hmm. is just it's it's so different I, I can't even describe how weird it is <laughs> like it's a good hmm. weird it's a good thing mm -hmm. like I think part of it's because you have Chris Clark who is very positive but also very real as their GM and development coach so, you know, he brings a whole set of eyes to the team that they didn't have before, and he'll be down in Cleveland more often than Bill Zito was. And then mm -hmm. you have Coach Mike Eves, who he uh, had this quote when I asked him about Marcus Hanekainen just having a really good head about being down in, in Cleveland. And, you know, he said 
that every day we have the choice to be happy. Essentially, that's what he said. To um, We choose how we are going to feel that day and how we're going to react. And having a coach that gives you that power to say, like, I'm controlling my day no matter what happens, how I respond to it is on me, not on the coach, not on anyone else. And I think a lot of the players are responding to that very well. I was so floored. I have to say this because, we you know, I talk so much crap about Ryan McInnes. <laughs> <laughs> I was so impressed this weekend with him. Oh, my goodness. He he was so great on the face-offs. He made smart puck handling moves, smart plays. He was aggressive. I, I don't – I could count maybe – on like one hand, how many times I saw him just slam someone up against the board so he could take the puck. Mm-hmm. It was just so refreshing to see how many guys have moved forward. Justin Scott had moved forward. He um, He's just smarter. He's not as haphazardly rushing the net and like accidentally hitting someone. Uh, same thing with Cole Sherwood. I mean, Calvin Turkoff is just next level. I don't know what happened this summer. I don't know what happened during training camp, but he, the way he played his positioning, he saw the open spots and he went to them and that's why he was able to score. And then you have guys like Andrew Peake, Trey Fix, Wolanski, and they, they're the real deal. I mean, I didn't get to see them much in training camp when they were with the Jackets. So I didn't know what to expect. You know what I mean? Like, People were like, why didn't you say them as the ones to watch? And I'm like, because I have zero clue if they are the ones to watch because I haven't seen them. And so now I can honestly say you need to watch them because Andrew Peake is a through and through defenseman who does not want you to get anywhere near his goalie at all. He is unafraid to throw you on the ground in the crease. (laughs) Just drop you right in front of the ref. He has no qualms with it. He's like, well, you were in my goalie's way, and I don't like it. And then Trey fix he is fast. So fast. Like, he is so fast and quick. It, I think it made some of the Rockets head spin a little bit, and they thought that they could just get aggressive with him, but they couldn't because he got aggressive right back, and they were like, whoa, we don't know what to do with this because we weren't expecting it. So... A lot of good things from this weekend, and I hope it keeps up next weekend when they play Syracuse, because I know some people on Syracuse still have that chip on their shoulder from getting bumped from the playoffs because they were all, like their parent team, were predicted to go pretty deep in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, game, that series Friday and Saturday is at home at the morgue. So yes. <laughs> check that out if you're in the area. You can also find Elaine's State of the Monsters jacketscanon.com. There was a great one over the weekend. So check that out. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to finish our division preview with the Metro. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
We are back now. When we did these division previews the previous three weeks, we had not completely unveiled our predictions for the year. Uh, those are now up at jackhatscanon.com, so you can see who we picked to finish everywhere. So it's going to be a little different this time because now everybody already knows where we predicted these teams, and also these teams are, have started to play some games. So let's go through the Metro, the, the division that we all know the best and probably our listeners as well. And we'll do the reverse order of finish from last year, just like we have been. The Devils, 0-1-1, they lost to the Jets, and then they lost pretty bad to the Sabres, <laughs> 7-2. So the New Jersey Devils, they do have P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons, Nikita Gusev, Jack Hughes, Matt Tennyson. This is a team that's supposed to be a lot better than last year on paper, but still playing in a tough division. How do you guys see the Devils this year? Elaine, you had them fifth in the Metro. Will, you had them sixth. Yeah, I... Uh... I was kind of struggling trying to figure out where a team like that might finish in that Metro because I kind of feel like they might be a playoff type of a team, but they have a lot of good pieces and guys like PK Subban. Uh, I was huge on uh, Nikita Gusev who they got from Vegas, but yeah, I think, uh, I think they have some definitely some talent and might very well be like Carolina last year. Uh, they, they've been alternating between playoffs and missing the playoffs each of the last couple of years. So, uh, if everything goes if everything goes in that order, they'll make the playoffs this year. But I guess goaltending is still the issue. And of course, again, two games, yeah. so you can't put too much stock into it. But you know, they got dumped by Buffalo, uh, I think it was seven two on Saturday. So uh, Corey Schneider, if he can be the Corey Schneider of old, which might be tough at this point, and uh Mackenzie Blackwood uh is kind of I guess their future. So uh it's still to be determined. But yeah, I had them in sixth just because I I don't know. I might have been too high on Columbus in that regard as well, but we'll see. I had no clue what to do with them either because on paper they look really great, but they're also the New Jersey Devils, and mm-hmm. you, you never really know what to expect with them. They could have a really good preseason and then just be awful all season or vice versa. So I just kind of YOLO'd that pick with <laughs> them at five because I, I was very unsure no, I totally get that. I put them at seventh because I can't get over, as Elaine, you said, they're the devils. Right. Not, I can't. I can't put them any higher than that. Next up, the New York Rangers, who are currently, as the time of this recording, 2-0 with a 6-4 win over Winnipeg and a 4-1 win over the Senators. Neither team that's supposed to do all that much given the Jets' defensive mess right now. But still, Winnipeg's pretty good. They get Artemi Panarin, you may have heard about, Jacob Truba, Capo Caco, Adam Fox, and Greg McKegg, some other players, some death guys. But they lose Kevin Shattenkirk and Jimmy Vesey. They get Pavel Buchnevich back. So what do we think about New York? I did not did not take them very well. I, I, kind of, I kind of tanked them a little bit, which I feel sort of bad about now because I put them to finish dead last in the division. Elaine, you <laughs> had them winning the division. And Will, you had them finishing seventh all over the map the rangers <laughs> for us i had i put them first because i decided to watch a lot of the rangers preseason stuff i was just curious about panarin like would he be fine on another team you know just mm-hmm. just kind of trying to feel it out um plus we have a lot of friends here in the canton area who are really big rangers fans so I was going to hear about it anyways. Might as well at least see it with my own eyes. And the way 
Capo Caco. Is that how you say it? Capo Caco. I can't say his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the way he he and Panarin play, I, I just I really like it. I really enjoy it. It's fun to watch. I think it takes a lot of pressure off parts of the other team. I mean, p- other parts of the team. It takes pressure off of them to constantly have to score, make something happen. Their defense seems a little bit more relaxed when one or the other or both is on the ice because they know that they're probably going to score and there won't be a ton of pressure on them to stop the puck from passing into the B zone. I I think the Rangers, this might be maybe not their year to win it all, but like I think they're going to have a very good year because of that. I think uh, I did have him finishing seventh just because uh, I guess starting last year, it kind of felt like uh, they weren't necessarily, I mean, even they were saying it wasn't really a rebuild as much as it was a retooling. So I felt like on the fly, they really got a lot of talent. Of course, like Panarin and Truba, like you mentioned. So they're going to score. If the goaltending, uh, like Lundqvist is 37, but if he can play as good as he's been, I mean, not like, you know, 10 years old, ten years ago, but just staying healthy and doing what he's been doing, playing a, at least above average. And I guess if Alexander Georgiev, uh, their backup in net, can, you know, basically do a, help do a timeshare in the net, you know, maybe the Rangers will have something. I don't know. I don't see them finishing first, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finish a little bit higher than seventh. But just because I know that they're still kind of kind of like Columbus going through their transitional phase, I wasn't ready to say, yeah, this team is going to be top three or four. But uh, I could see anywhere really between three and seven at the same time. Yeah, I see that. I, I, just, I figure somebody has to finish last in the division, and they're supposed to be a rebuild getting – Capo that early in the draft kind of changed the trajectory a little bit and as well as Panarin. So that rebuild has accelerated a little bit, but I just, I think somebody's got to finish last. Up next, the Philadelphia Flyers 1-0. They beat the Blackhawks in a 4-3 win in Prague, and then they play again Wednesday. They signed Kevin Hayes to a seven-year $50 million contract, which befuddled a lot of people. And then they made a lot of trades for... A defenseman, Justin Braun, Matt Niskin, and they also get Tyler Pitlick from Dallas. They lose Ryan Hartman, Cam Talbot, Radko Gudis, Michael Neuverth, and Justin Bailey. Philadelphia is a team that a lot of people say we can't figure out, we don't know where they're going, but yeah. a team that's generally accepted to be better than last year. Yeah, the, the Flyers are kind of weird to figure out because I feel like no matter what, um, they could be in last place in the conference, and then all of a sudden they win 10 in a row, and they always seem to get going. The Flyers are always, they're always, it seems like no matter what's going on with that team, they're always good enough to get back in the race or make the playoffs and maybe not make quite the run in the playoffs or they get to the playoffs and they make a run. So this year, I mean, I don't know. They still have, uh, you know, Claude Giroux and it wouldn't surprise me if this team does what they do, which is like making some kind of a run. I don't think they will, but I mean, they'll probably win 10 in a row at some point and make it look like they're going to do something. But yeah, Carter Hart, again, another young goalie is their future. And I don't know. I don't know what else to say about the Flyers. Really? Uh, they have Kevin Hayes. They have guys that can do something on, you know, they could put up numbers, but I just, I don't know enough about the Flyers really to think that they're going to do more than probably the bottom part of the division. Um, I'm always down on the Flyers. 
for some reason, but I also enjoy watching them play. So <laughs> don't ask me why. It's they either, I mean, they really know how to have a meltdown, so that's always enjoyable. Um, but I, like Will, they, like Will said, they'll be able to just all of a sudden go on a 10-game win streak. And I think maybe that's just like the ginger magic that they have in Philly. I'm not, not quite sure. But Philly is one of those teams that I just always put in the bottom because I feel like they're always, there's always going to be teams that are better than them in the Metro and teams who are just able to pull wins out of the air better than they can. I mean, I know they all get these long win streaks, but it doesn't always add up to a playoff spot. Yeah. I had them finishing fourth in the Metro just because I don't know what to make of them, but they always, they're always streaky. They're a squirrely team <laughs> and they can play really tough hockey and Carter Hart really could do it. He could be the next, I'll say it, Steve Mason, and, and turn in this incredible rookie year and carry them as far as they can go. And and maybe Kevin Hayes works out, and they and maybe Matt Niskanen works out. So I'm going to put him at fourth. Next up, a team that I don't think we really need to preview because they are the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, if we have anything more to say, I will point out, Elaine, you had them finish second in the Metro. Will, you had them to finish fifth. I also had them to finish fifth. The Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> I drank the Kool-Aid, okay? I drank the Columbus Blue Jackets Kool-Aid. I couldn't put them anywhere. I don't know. I just, I didn't, even if Pittsburgh was better than them, I didn't want to put Pittsburgh above them. <laughs> sure. I was a little petty with this part of my list. They were, like, I didn't want to put Washington above them. So, I was like, if they're good, then I look like an idiot. So, let's just put, put Columbus at two. Because I don't think... They're going to be bad. I think we could maybe make the playoffs again. So I just went with two because why not one year? We're going to do it. It's going to happen. It's going to be this year. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, so for Columbus, uh, I was kind of thinking, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but I predicted them to have 87 points. So I feel like they can be in the mix. And so I'm kind of banking. I guess that's where my optimism comes from. I think the potential will outweigh the negatives to a, to, to a degree, at least. They'll be at least a contender or uh, be in the mix. So, yeah, I'm just hoping that Merce Lickens, I think he's going to be a lot better than Saturday again. I think that he'll have his lumps. So will Corpusalo, but... Uh, hopefully the goaltending will kind of steady out and the defense the defense will be better than they've shown. Guys like Jones, Wierenski, Savard, uh, hopefully uh, Gavrikov will kind of turn into something as well. And uh, offensively, I'm thinking they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll start getting some goals. Yeah, I, and I, I want to go back to what we said at the beginning of the show. Pittsburgh and Toronto are good. And those are probably not the teams to figure out some regular season problems against but it is early in the season i have confidence they'll figure it out i don't think they're going to go 82 or anything like that yeah i'm not calling for tortorella's head yet it's just it's a bummer to watch and and, and i think they'll figure it out i do think they'll finish fifth i don't i think scoring is going to legitimately be a problem and goaltending could be figured out but there's going to be some lumps and and that'll they'll pay for that in the standings i think all right moving on Carolina Hurricanes, they're 3-0, three straight wins for the second time in franchise history. They have won all three games in overtime, and they were trailing heading into the third every single time. 
The Hurricanes picked up Jake Gardner, Ryan Dezingle, Eric Howla, James Reimer, Gustav Forsling, and they lost Justin Williams, Michael Furland, Greg McKegg, Curtis McElhaney, of course we all know, Scott Darling, Calvin Nahan, Adam Fox, and some other players. Carolina, I had them finishing first. I have them winning the division. Will, you have them finishing second. Elaine, you have them finishing seventh. Yep. I know it seems like a pretty far drop from how they did last year, but people always underestimate the value of what Justin Williams brings to the ice and to the locker room. He is a last-minute playmaker. He knows how to get it done, but he also knows how to rally the team. He made hockey fun again in Carolina by what they did after every game. He was the one that brought that idea to the team, and Mm -hmm. they bought into it because he's Justin Williams, and when he is excited about something, when he is all in, it is infectious, and there's no other thing to do but buy in. So I know it's weird to say that one person can make or break a team, but I mean, look what he did for, was it, it was LA. Yeah. What he did for LA a few times. I mean, and then they lost, (laughs) I mean, they lost Curtis Mackley. I know it seems weird because he was like our Mick backup, but he's a solid goaltender. I wouldn't call him like the best starter, but he's like Mr. Dependable. And then mm-hmm. they got like Anton Forsberg, who I think they ended up sending to um, the checkers. But, I mean, they don't have a whole lot of goalie in their system that they can really pull from that are that are dependable. Mm-hmm. So, That's a good point, yeah. So I, I just feel like they lost some key people who brought a lot to not just the ice, but also the locker room. And you have to count to what a locker room person can do because, you know, look at what happened to Tampa Bay. They didn't have that locker room person who was able to help bring them back after the Jackets beat them in game one. So, I mean, I don't know if Carolina will be able to bounce back without a guy like Justin and C-Mac. Uh, I think Carolina will be fine. We, I mean, they snuck up, snuck up on us last year, and they have a lot of potential youth scoring. The Zingle was added to that mix. We'll see if he gets to go in there. Uh, they added Jake Gardner from Toronto, kind of a almost a sneaky signing, just because he waited so long to sign or finally had an offer, I guess. But I guess for me, it's goaltending with Morazic and Reimer. Uh, I mean, they're both very capable goalies. We'll see if they're good enough to ultimately carry the team. But I bought in, I guess, after last year. Yeah, they lost uh, Williams, but Jordan Stahl is their captain. I don't know. They have a lot of pieces. Nico uh, Niederreiter, Nino Niederreiter, um, just a lot of different players that I think are going to help, you know, fill the absence of a guy like uh, Williams. Yeah, it should be interesting. I just think that last year they were so unlucky. And everybody was like, we'll just wait till their luck catches up and then they'll, go on, they'll, they'll be on fire. And they made it so far in the playoffs. I just think this is, this is their year. I think the young guys finally have enough experience that they're going to win the division. That's, that's what I say. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are one and one. They lost to the Sabres. They beat the Blue Jackets. We don't need to talk about that game anymore. <laughs> but Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, Nick Butstad out. Malkin and Bukestad are gone for a while. That news was just out today. They got Alex Galchenyuk, Brandon Tanev, which was kind of a puzzler for how much money they paid him. And they lost Phil Kessel and Olimata and Matt Cullen. I had them finishing fourth. I'm sorry, I had them finishing third in the Metro. Both of you had them finishing fourth. The Pittsburgh Penguins. When it comes to Pittsburgh, they're, they have such a track record, obviously, of winning and success. And now they got swept in last year's playoffs by the Islanders. But it's hard to count out Pittsburgh. I'm not sure they're a Stanley Cup. I mean, they're they're technically a Stanley Cup contender because of who they are and what they've done. But mm -hmm. if you're just looking at it today, I don't know if they're quite the team that they were just a couple of years ago. But And now, of course, they lost uh, Evgeny Malkin for a while, it sounds like. And they're already a little bit beat up. So... They're a team that can probably uh, not necessarily replace him, but they're able to – they have a lot of firepower, So as Columbus found out. So whether it's Gensel, Crosby, et cetera, I think Pittsburgh is – they might be starting to slow down a little bit, but it's hard to count them out right now. I, I mean, part of the reason why I put them fourth is because, you know, Sydney's getting older, and I wasn't sure if they would really have the pieces to, like, step in and – take over and with like Malkin, um, you know, he also is getting older, but unsure of if his passion is full on for the game still. Uh, I wasn't really sure how they would do. And then I, I mean, I totally forgot. They had guys like Russ and Hornquist and even Jack Johnson occasionally, occasionally can score a goal for them. Whether he's scoring it for the other team or not, that is also... <laughs> Another question. <laughs> um, but I sometimes forget that Pittsburgh is the real deal. I, I know we're the Blue Jackets blog and I should just be like, oh, they suck. But at some point in your life, you have to come to accept the fact that a team is consistently good. Um, not just because of Sidney Crosby, though. There's They always seem to have like a Jake Gitzel have like a, a banner year and then Brian Rust comes in and, you know, I was an, I was unsure because Matt Cullen left and then like, all these people are stepping up. It, it seems to be a team where when people finally get their chance, they, they just take it and run with it. So as, even though I have them fourth, there's the chance that they could be one, two, or three and in my dream world they would be last but <laughs> not probably gonna happen <laughs> right there's one of those teams that you always want to fail as a blue jackets fan and they don't but 
I think they're I think their window has it's not closed yet, but it's not the 09 window. Yeah. It's not a team that that's Crosby's still an all world talent, one of the best players ever. But he's he's over thirty. He's on the wrong side of thirty. Yeah. And you know, Malkin's hurt and is getting older. I I don't know. I, I, but that said, I still think they can do it. I mean, look what they did Saturday oh, yeah. night. They're, they're dangerous and don't, don't count they, they could win the Stanley Cup, and I probably wouldn't be surprised. Right, exactly. Yeah, same exactly. Here. That's just the way it is. And I think I think part of that, the way we think that is because we've been conditioned. I mean, I think everybody's been conditioned to think that, but I think Columbus fans especially get <laughs> which is unfortunate. All right, next, New York Islanders. The Islanders are one and one at the time of this recording. They lost to the Capitals and then they beat Winnipeg four to one. They didn't really do a ton in free agency. They got Semyon Varlamov to replace Robin Lehner, which could be a big deal. And they added Derek Broussard and lost Valtteri Filpula. The New York Islanders. I have been finishing sixth. Elaine, you have been finishing sixth. Will, you have been finishing third. Yeah, and I don't know. It's weird. Uh I feel like they had such a great goaltending duo last year. And of course, uh, you know, as we mentioned, Varlamov, he knows Barry Trotz from DC. We'll see if Tomas Grice kind of does that again. He's one to know so far, one game. But, um, you know, they lost Robert Leonard to Chicago. So I don't know. It's, they, they're kind of, I guess, kind of weird too. I, I, I feel like a lot went their way, but they were really good defensively and the goaltending again was really solid. So they're going to have to just replicate that. And they have guys that can score, but um, I did have finishing third though. It's kind of hard for me to go against them just because they have such a, I feel like they have such a good foundation in place, at least from the management on down the trots and some, you know, really good players. So guys like Anders, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, just kind of, I, I, they kind of help solidify what they have. So I took a chance and thought they could get back to the playoffs. I feel like the Islanders are always on that cusp of like, they could be good or they could be bad. Always. All mm-hmm. the time. Because <laughs> uh, they've had, I mean, like they had Tavares and they could have been so much greater. Like I, I look at what they picked up this summer too. And I think, wow, like some of those pickups, I could get behind that. And then I think, okay, but they've had really good players before and couldn't make anything really happen, like maybe a handful of times, but not enough to get me to put them above most of the teams in the Metro. But, I mean, they could surprise everyone. Like, this is probably Derek Broussard's last hurrah. So knowing that, who... Who knows, he might end up lighting on fire and becoming one of the better players in the Metro. Who knows? That That's the problem with the Islanders and the Flyers. It's You literally never know what they're going to do. And it's always could go one way or the other. And I think it makes trying to put predictions together so tough because you're like, well, I want to put them last, but then they're probably going to end up doing well and I look like an idiot. So. But they have Barry Trotz. And I don't know. He brings that extra, like, oomph to the team. I don't know what it is about him, but people love playing for him and they want to do well for him. So that's why I couldn't put them last. 
Yeah, I mean, Trotz, I mean, you saw the difference he made in just his first year there. So really tough to say what they're going to do. I just, I think a long time, I just can never take the Islanders, Islanders that seriously. And so maybe there's some of that's still residual in my brain, but I don't have anything against the Islanders. They're always kind of there in the Metro, you know, it's not like the Penguins or the Caps or I hate the Flyers or I hate their guts. They're just <laughs> there. So speaking of the Caps, they won the division last year. They are 2-0-1. This season with that loss coming in overtime to the Carolina Hurricanes. They got Garnett Hathaway, Richard Panic, Redko Gudas. They lost Andre Burakovsky, Matt Niskin, and Brett Connolly, Brooks Orpik. And they have some rookies who could crack the lineup. A lot of us had them winning the division. A lot of the Cannon staff, including Will, I had them finishing second. Elaine, you had them finishing third. The Washington Capitals. Yeah, so this team could definitely go all the way again. Uh, they're stacked. They have kind of a similar situation as far as Columbus last year with Braden Holpe being a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, I believe Backstrom as well. So they'll have to figure that out, but that's down the road. But in general, um, the team is just stacked. It's hard to bet against them, I guess, at least as far as being among the top three and probably winning or at least being a contender to win the Metro. Uh, I guess the surprise was when they, when they brought in uh, Racco Gudas from Philadelphia, just being that enforcer. They're trying to get a little bit tougher. So they'll definitely have that edge. Not that they need it to go with Tom Wilson, but, uh, you know, they can kind of do it all, do it all, really. I feel like ever since their Stanley Cup year, when Ovechkin said at the beginning of the season that they were not going to suck, <laughs> I feel like they just haven't sucked. Not even... A little bit. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, the team hasn't changed that much. The The energy on the team hasn't changed. The skills on the team haven't changed. When one person leaves, they find the right piece to take over for them. So, I mean, if you look at it even from a GM standpoint, they're clearly doing something right at that organization right now. I just didn't put them up higher because I was being super petty and I didn't want Columbus to be below Washington or Pittsburgh. (laughs) That's really the only reason why they're at where they're at in my list. Yeah, I just feel like they they beat the Capitals in the first round last year, 4-3, that of course went seven games. I just think it's Carolina's time, and Washington is so good. I just don't think they're going to be as good as Carolina over the course of the season. So that is why I had them second. So those are our predictions for the Metro. Again, you can find... The Canon staff season predictions on jacketscanon.com. I'll link to it in the show notes so you can see who we picked for every single division as well as Eastern Conference, Western Conference, Cup Final, Hart, Norris, Trophy, Vesna winners, and whether the CBJ will finish over or under 85 wins. And I guess I'll just tell you that. We'll just talk about that now because that was part of our predictions. I had them over. You had them over. Everybody had them over except for Eric Seeds. Seeds was the only one to have them under. <laughs> which God bless Seeds, he is consistent. So, <laughs> that is that is that is our Metropolitan preview. That is our NHL preview. Thank you for listening to those. Well, like you mentioned at the top, this will be out tomorrow, so we'll already know what happens. But before this game starts, I say Columbus wins. They figure it out. So yeah, uh, I want to say a score. I won't do that, but they will win tonight. I love that. Okay. <laughs> Um, my final thought has to do with our goaltending. I think that we need to, I think people need to just kind of lay off Elvis just a little bit. I mean, 
He has seen NHL caliber players overseas, but the ice is different. It's significantly different when you're in a high-paced game. And and you know what? I'm sorry, but Corvasalo is a he's a good goaltender, and I think if he gets the chance, he's going to take it, and they should continue giving him that chance. People are already talking about taking Villavinen and Kivlenix up. <laughs> which I don't want for many reasons mm-hmm. because they look like they're finally confident. They looked so confident this weekend. Uh, Levinen, he like never broke a sweat. He was unfazed when people were rushing the net. He had someone almost bump into him and it, he like didn't even register it, didn't even recognize it. Like he just acted like nothing happened. Kev Lennox has become a little bit more conscientious of where the puck is at, where the defenders are at, where his own defenders are at. And they like have been able to play off of each other a little bit better, which is great. They need to be learning that stuff in the AHL. And Brad Thiessen is doing a great job of working with them as their coach and teammate. So I think it doesn't just fall on the goaltenders and we need to get off this kick where we just constantly blame the goaltenders when our scoring is an issue and our defense has almost always been an issue. So let's give the goaltenders a little bit of a break for at least another 10 to 15 games. All right. My final thought is something I've wanted to talk about all summer. I don't know who this person is. I don't make any money from them. I'm not friends with them. I don't know who they are, what they do, but (laughs) There's a YouTube user, Specmens CBJ, S-P-E-C-M-E-N-C-E-C-B-J. I'll link to this account in the show notes. It's just all jacket stuff. Every goal, every point of interest from the game, his intermission stuff, anthem. I watch so much of this account's coverage of the playoffs. Because like I said, every goal, I think I watched the Panarin goal and the Bjorkstrand goal and Seth Jones game one goal and Josh Anderson's game one goal. I watched so much of it over the summer. It's just great. It's just a great way to watch Blue Jackets highlights without dealing with everything else, ads and all that, where you have to do weather show. But and also like, like there's a Rick Nash interview from Friday night from the first intermission. You're not going to find that anywhere else, or at least not super easy. So this person is doing God's work. Don't know who they are. If you know them, give them a big hug and thanks from me because. It is a, a very valuable resource, especially for what we do, which is, you know, blogging the team and following. So it's, it's very helpful to catch things like NHL Tonight's expectations and predictions and TSN stuff. So check them out. All right. That will do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. If you haven't checked out that new album, 430, please do it. Rate us, rate our show, leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps us get the word out. We welcome your comments and questions. As always, you can tweet at us, cbjcannon, comment jacketscannon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.